This is episode number 164 with Ryan Holmes of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I am the host of this show and also the CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. And I'm coming to you live from hometown Melbourne, Australia. Hope you're all having an awesome day wherever you are around the world, uh, whether you're listening to this podcast while you are taking the dog for a walk, going to the gym or commuting to work. Or, you know, maybe you got running in the background. Whatever it is you're doing, hope you're having an awesome day and uh, you're getting a ton of gold from these shows. All right, so now let's talk about today's guest. His name's Ryan Holmes, and he's the founder of a company, a little company, once again, called Hootsuite. Uh, you may be familiar of it. You may not be. Massive SaaS company. These guys are absolutely killing it when it comes to social media management. Uh, They have over 15 million users for their product, perhaps even more. This was a stat uh, that I got a while ago, but pretty much, guys, you know, Ryan is at the top of his game. He's, He's a, you know, market leader with his company, Hootsuite. And we talk about growth, we talk about scale, we talk about leadership, and we talk about also, you know, what's interesting is he started this business with no background in software, and uh, he actually started it out as building out from building an agency. And the way that this problem came about that he looked to solve was from his agency business. So super interesting story, really, really smart guy, a lot of experience shared, and I know you're going to learn a ton from him. All right, guys, if you are enjoying these episodes, as always, please do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you are listening. Helps more than you can imagine. Please do make sure you share this with your friends, whether they are an entrepreneur, whether they want to become an entrepreneur, or they're an experienced entrepreneur. I know they'll get a ton of gold from these episodes we produce. And make sure you check out the Founder website, any of our products, any of our other content. We put out a lot of stuff. We really are here to help and serve 
and help you grow a really successful business. All right, that's it from me, guys. Now let's jump into the show. The first question I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job? <laughs> well, that's a great question. And uh, I think like a lot of founders out there, I, I created it. And, um, you know, I've, I've been a, a, a lifelong entrepreneur. I've run a number of different businesses that I, I founded myself. I, my first business I started in high school. It was a paintball company. I next started a pizza restaurant, did that for a couple of years. I started a, a web services and digital agency around 2000. And uh, within that business, did a lot of uh, idea conceptualization built a couple of different startups from within the agency. And uh, around 2008, we started building out Hootsuite. And, and that was really to help solve uh, a problem that we were having at the agency, which was managing multiple social networks and uh, multiple team members all working together. So, you know, for, for all, these, uh, all these different businesses, I, I created my own job. Yeah, amazing, man. And do you still run the agency to this day? I don't actually. It was kind of tough because, you know, I started the agency in 2000. Um, it was my my baby. And, uh, you know, as as I worked on it so many years and, and, you know, then launched out Hootsuite from within the agency, Hootsuite was, was blowing up. We were, you know, going, you know, gaining so many users. And I really had a tough decision, which was leave my, my one baby to go work on the other. And, uh, you know, it was a challenging decision, you know, kind of kind of stepping away from that. I had two really good um, partners on board at that point. Uh, they stuck with the agency and I and I went on to work with Hootsuite and, uh, you know, I sit on the board of Invoke, which is the, the digital agency to this day. But uh, I, I'm, you know, very focused on working on Hootsuite. Mm, yeah, wow. And, um, man, Hootsuite is massive. Like you guys are, I would say, the market leader in this uh, space and I'm really curious like can you give an insight to our audience um, how much traction you guys have had in the past uh, you know eight eight years yeah well we you know have uh, 16 million customers globally we've got customers in every country of the world and um, you know we we service and help make social easier help and make it easy for brands to connect with their customers and help power that kind of human social connection and, um, you know, all the way from small businesses to, you know, power users to straight through to, you know, over 800 to fortune 1000. So we really run the gamut of, of small, medium and big enterprise businesses. And we have a, a free offering at the kind of entry level point in the market and and kind of go up from there in terms of features and functionality and service that we provide for our bigger customers. And we send uh, about 5 million messages a day, and uh, those messages reach billions of, of uh, fans and followers globally. Yeah, wow. And how did you grow it so fast besides having an amazing product? Because there are a lot of um, there are you you guys you know I, I I know this space quite well like we we're pretty strong on social we have millions of followers across all of our channels and um, there are many different t- tools um, that LLA to do social media management you guys had had an um, it appears like an early mover advantage but 
like you guys have crushed it. Thank you. Um, I, I think, you know, you mentioned product and there's a couple of thoughts there. First, and they also mentioned early mover advantage. I think that uh, early mover advantage actually is a little bit overrated. And I think also that third or fourth to market is often the best place to be. And, you know, if you think about the fake social networks, there was Friendster, then MySpace, then Facebook. First two guys often are the icebreakers. So if you picture a big, you know, icy ocean, they're going out there and breaking all the ice up. It's expensive. It's slow. It takes a lot of time. And what happens after the icebreakers go through, like you can go through that in a kayak. You can go through that in whatever, and you can move really fast. And so sometimes the first few people, they, they break the ice for you. And I, and I think that's a, a great thing. So in our case, there actually were other people out there before us. But we were able to kind of pinpoint and look at what they were doing, the features and functionality that work really well for them, and what our users and customers uh, were going to want. And we incorporated the best of the best. I mean, if you look at what's happened with uh, Snapchat and Instagram recently, in some ways, Snapchat was out there breaking the ice. They were figuring out a new model for ephemeral content, content that disappears. And guess what? Instagram incorporated a lot of the work that they did and they didn't have to do any engineering work to go and product validate and, and find product market fit. It was already determined for them. So I would say to you know the founders out there, don't over fixate on being first. Sometimes, you know, a great thing could be second, third, fourth, or fifth. Your other your other point around product, I think that good product wins. And I think that a lot of founders and startup guys that I talk with, you know, they they think too much about, okay, I built a product. Now I need to get AdWords against it. I need to do Facebook advertising. And they haven't really found the product market fit yet. They haven't built a product that has virality to it. And if you put ads against a product that doesn't have virality, you're actually just artificially inflating your numbers. The second you pull away the advertising, the product uh, usage just melts. And so what we did for years, we didn't do any paid user acquisition. All we did was focus on product, 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 figuring out what our customers needed, what was the you know, most viral way that we could help them uh, use the product, but also share the product with their friends. And if you nail that, it, the product uh, you know, growth takes care of itself. And was the was the viral component for you guys when somebody shares it 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 posts at the bottom like but it not not as actual text but f- from Hootsuite or was it the freemium model? That was a, that was a part of it. It's it's all of the above. It was uh, we had a freemium model that had very low barrier to entry. We did have attribution and have attribution today on Facebook and and some other social networks still. We also um, had ways that we allowed people to upgrade in our product through sharing. So if you shared certain types of, you know, I'm using Hootsuite to, to you know, create this message. If you shared that you're, you were using us, uh, we would give you product functionality. So just being kind of obsessed on how you can get people to share their usage with you. And I guess another area is, is like workflow, like teams. We had people working together with teams. They would invite team members in. This has been a hugely powerful viral mechanism for Slack, for example, where you know you start using Slack and, and you want to pull your teammates in because you need to talk to them. And so thinking about how you can get people to pull other people into your product is going to give it really great virality 
or, or something called K-Factor, which you can look up on you know, Google or Wikipedia, uh, K-Factor being the, the viral uh, component of your product. Yeah, no, I love that. Basecamp, very, very good at that as well. Same with Trello. Exactly. Yeah, yep. gotcha. Okay, interesting. So um, along the way, did you have to raise any capital uh, or you guys uh, boot, like are you fully funded or, or self-funded? Yeah, I bootstrapped the, the company of the agency for the first year. About six months in, we started looking at, you know, we had three, started with three, then got to seven people. And we had a small agency for seven people from a 21-person team working on a zero-revenue product, which if you're, you know, run your own business, you know that that's an expensive proposition and the economics aren't great after a long period of time of that. So uh, we kind of looked at where it was going. You know, the growth was fantastic. But uh, you know, concerning on the on the um, other side of of expenses, and so you knew we were going to need to fundraise. So we did a, a round, we did a, a 1.5 million dollar round that got us to cash flow positive, and uh, then we did a couple of other rounds thereafter. Uh, you know, this is all on Crunchbase, which is a great access, uh, you know, data access for people if they haven't looked at that. Great way to look up companies. All of that's laid out on on uh, Crunchbase and and talks about our funding rounds. But uh, I've done a few rounds of funding. You know, all of my other businesses prior to this were self financed and bootstrapped. But I I think that you know there are times and situations where getting venture is absolutely necessary, and there are times where you don't need to do it at all. And um, I think that this is one of those times and and, and the business that really uh, benefited from bringing in venture capital. And, and the velocity that we got with that. So one thing um, that I think is also extremely important um, that doesn't really get talked about as much as I'd like is is to scale a company, obviously you need great product and, and also, you know, to an extent, decent marketing, great marketing, but also a great team. Like what, what have your strategies been around attracting great talents? You guys are in Vancouver you know, talk talk to us about that. You know, you guys are based in in San Fran, um, but you need great talent. You need to, you know, scale a company with people as well, right? Yeah. So we have have grown our company from Vancouver. We're now over a thousand employees globally. We've got offices over fifteen offices around the world, and you know, including in Australia, Singapore, London, New York, Toronto, and others. And and I think that you know we started as I said from three people. And if you think about, you know, where we were at being in Vancouver, you know, a lot of people thought it might be a competitive disadvantage uh, versus being in Silicon Valley. For us, it was a competitive advantage. We were able to get some amazing talent, people that were maybe underemployed in their roles in, in Vancouver. And it was, you know, it, it is and, and and continues to be a pretty amazing platform for people to build on and build into, you know, or from, just from our engineering team, they're able to work under the hood of a massive Amazon uh, cluster, delivering you know, millions of messages a day with high, high uptime for a lot of people you know, out there and they're building their, their own products or interested in engineering. This is a really cool engineering opportunity and challenge. And we're doing some of the most progressive engineering in the world. And our team is super excited about that. 
I'd also say that, you know, we have people that are able to market to millions of people globally, able to sell to millions of people globally. So we've been able to attract a team of people that really are passionate about doing something at a global scale, doing something that has huge purpose and value for our customers and for their customers. And I think that that's where, where we kind of get back to them as we talk about the team, you know, and, and building out this team is, is really just providing interesting, exciting opportunity. And for your founders that are listening, this is your job. Your job is to share, uh, you know, the vision and the excitement and the opportunity of what you're doing and building. And that can be done anywhere. It can be done from, you know, Auckland, from Vancouver. It doesn't have to be in Silicon Valley. There are smart people everywhere and you can grow them and, and build them and have them join your team and be part of it. And then when you get to, you know, hundreds and thousands, you can always look at where you, you know, want to find and attract other talent, either bringing them in, importing them or, or just, uh, you know, building offices and centers where there are, uh, you know, pools of talented people. But I think you, you don't need to fixate on that. We, we got really far off of our first 30 and first 100 uh, team. One thing um, I think is really important is, is especially like, you know, your first 30 to 50, um, well, I've been told you can't, I've, I haven't been there yet, but I've been told that you can't, it is difficult to get um, every single, have every single person as, as an A player um, for your first 30. Um, is that something you focused on? Just, just hiring just absolute A players in the, in, for the first early hires? Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story, that, an analogy that somebody gave me, which I kind of like. First off, I think that a lot of your early team, think about them like Swiss Army knives versus steak knives. Now, a Swiss Army knife is pretty good at a lot of things, but it's not the best at any one thing. Whereas a steak knife is really good at doing one thing, which is you know probably cutting steak. So you have to think about your early team a little bit more that way. As you get bigger, you start to get more specialists. You get a fork, you get a steak knife, you get a spoon, and and you know they're they're all better at their individual tasks than the Swiss Army knife is. So that's one way of thinking about it. And so it's not that they're A players versus B players; it's that they're different types of people. And I guess the analogy, the second part, somebody gave me a while ago, which I kind of liked, and it was a, a, a metaphor comparison. Your early team, actually, business is going to battle. And so your early team, they're kind of like, they, they reference them as being the paratroopers, a bit of the crazy ones. They jump out of the plane into the darkness and with unknown terrain below them, and they make the landing, and they, they go and secure a beachhead. And then you pull in the guys jumping out of the boats, and they you know put up sandbags, and then you go and you charge a hill, and you get more people in. Maybe you go take the city. You take the city, you start bringing in the municipal police. And then you start you know, having kind of civil structure. At that point, your paratroopers are looking around and they're like, they don't recognize this world. And what you need to do is continue to find airplanes for your paratroopers to jump out of. And that's the analogy of your early team is that if they don't have these kind of like different ambiguous tasks and opportunities, they're not going to be the kind of police type people that are you know, comfortable with structure and order and, you know, day-to-day operations. They're more of the, you know, go get them cowboys. And, um, 
I think that that analogy is a you know a bit an interesting one as I thought about you know transition from you know a small group to a larger group and an early stage team to a later stage team. Mm, yeah, I love that. And when it comes to leadership, what kind of leader are you? Well, you know, I think it's it's sometimes hard to be introspective on that because um, you're pretty close to it, and if you're looking in the mirror, it can be a challenge. But you know, I think one of the things that I've learned and been been maybe more surprised about than I thought I'd be is that as we've grown from a small team to a larger team, communications has just become so much more important. When, when I had a small team, it, it was it was easy for everybody to be on the same page to understand what we're doing. And in, and in many cases, it was purely on a need-to-know basis. Um, but as you get bigger, you know, a, a small team can be very nimble in terms of turning on a dive. You can, you can do a pivot here and a pivot there. As you get bigger, you've kind of got a bigger ship and, um, you know, maybe a lot of people rowing it. And you want to make sure that everybody's rowing in the same direction so they have a, a vision, an alignment, and a purpose, and they understand where, where all those are and what they mean. Uh, and if you're not able to clearly communicate that, you get people going in all sorts of different directions. And so it can be get, we get really messy. And people can get frustrated and confused and, and not know what's going on. So your job as a leader is to communicate vision more and more clearly. And so that's become a bigger part of my role. I think, you know, also I have had the luxury of bringing in some amazing leaders to help me. You know, back in the day, I wore a lot of different hats. I you know, had the luxury of bringing in a great CFO. And, you know, I, I know enough to be dangerous and on the financial front. I can read a cap table, a balance sheet, you know, an income statement, but I don't, I don't get excited about working on those every day, but I've got a CFO that is. And so when you get, when you get bigger, you're able to bring in a really great team to help you. And they're able to, you know, you're able to get them working on areas of the business that maybe you aren't excited about. Because, you know, when you're working on things that you're excited on in the business, that's when things really go. And, you know, I'm, I get most passionate, most excited about a few things, marketing, product, culture, and values. And, uh, and I work on a lot of those and then kind of round robin firefighting. And those are the areas that I work on the most in the business. Um, and, and, you know, I have a lot of help around, uh, those areas, but also other areas that I don't spend so much time on. Hmm. Um, well, look, uh, this is great, mate. Uh, we have to work towards wrapping up final, final question or two, two more questions. Um, so you guys, you know, at the top of your industry, um, really, really doing a great job, great product. Um, you know, as you said, tens of millions of customers, um, is it ever enough? Like, can you have it all? Yeah, great, great question there. I mean, are you talking about from a business perspective or a personal perspective? Or <laughs> how do you, are you thinking about that? Both. Because as founders, we tell ourselves this story. <laughs> Once we get to this, then it's going to be awesome. And you, you, yeah. you're, you're at the top, man. So what does it feel like? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think that, I think that founders um, and, and, you know, CEOs, leaders of companies, I think we always got to be pushing ourselves. I think that it's what, it's what got us into what we do. I think that, you know, when you get to the top of the hill, you look up and you, and you find another hill. And I think that that's part of our nature. 
uh, as people that love love what we do and and love you know being in the space that we're in. And I think it's it's not just part of our nature, but I think your business will demand it of you. And if you're not able to provide that, you know, your your business, your team is going to say, hey, what's where are we going? So we we hit the top of this hill. What's next, leader? <laughs> you know, and that's your job. You need to be thinking ahead about you know what you're going to be doing next. What's the next hill you're going to go and 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 charge up? And if you don't have that, if you're you know don't have vision on that, I I think you know you need to go on a retreat. You need to go take some time and really figure out what that looks like. But I think you always need to be researching. You always need to be learning. And hopefully you figure out what that next kill is by the time you get there. And if you're not able to, and you're not feeling motivated about it, I think you need to change. You need to think about like something else that's, you know, gonna, gonna get you fired up and maybe it's time for you to move on. And, and that's not a bad thing either. I think, uh, you know, I reference a book called good to great often. I think it's a really fantastic book about leadership, but, you know, one of the best uh, kind of measures of a leader is that, um, you know, when they, when they decide it's time for them to move on, uh, that they have all the right people in place to help the business just continue to grow. And I think that in many, many cases of a leader, that's uh, the most important thing you could do is leave a legacy of a business that, that you helped uh, really touch and to shape and that that business goes on to, to do great things with or without you. Mm, yeah, I love that, man. And uh, so last question, um, where's the best place people can find out uh, more about Hootsuite and your work and also what's what's your biggest challenge right now? What 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 uh, what's what's the next thing that uh, you know you're you're dreaming about? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, for more about Hootsuite, Hootsuite.com, super easy. You know, as we mentioned, we've got a free product that, that anybody can get started today. I uh, um, am on social on pretty much every channel, Invoker, I-N-V-O-K-E-R, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. And I also have a newsletter at invoker.ca where I share you know, things I'm working on and, and thoughts on business. I've recently written a book. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of right now just so excited about continuing to build out uh, what we're doing here at Hootsuite. And, and sharing that with, uh, with the world. And, and, you know, I love doing uh, talks like this to, to talk to other entrepreneurs. Um, I'm, I'm so excited about, you know, entrepreneurship and innovation and uh, really, you know, big shout out to you for all the work that you're doing and helping all your listeners out. Thank you so much, Ryan. Well, look, I really appreciate your time, mate. Uh, we'll wrap there, but I uh, hope you have a fantastic day. Thanks a lot. It was great being on. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.